There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Den of Geeks revamped Star Wars Expanded Universe podcast. I'm Megan. I'm a writer for Den of Geek. You may have heard me on Worldship, the uh, previous Star Wars podcast. So we only had one episode, but now we're changing things up a little, adding two hosts, my friends Paul and Sap, and we're going to be doing what should be a monthly show. We're going to concentrate on the story of Star Wars, particularly as it's told in the books, comics, video games, and other ancillary material that we call the Expanded Universe. We'll be touching on the movies, too, sometimes, but mostly we want to bring informed, fun lore discussion about that Expanded Universe. This week, we'll be talking about some news, as well as Before the Awakening, the young adult novel that tells the story of the heroes of The Force Awakens just before the movie. I hope you enjoy, and thanks a lot to Den of Geek US for hosting us and for enabling us to put on this podcast. I'm here with Paul and Saf. Some fans might recognize them from the Force cast. Hey, guys. Hi. So Paul's <laughs> going to take us through a little bit of who we are and why we're Star Wars fans and what we're doing here in your ears. Yes. Yes. Den of Geek listeners, thank you so much for giving us the, the listen. Some of you might you know, recognize us from the Forcecast. Some of you, maybe not. And so because of that, we all feel be necessary just to kind of get to know us a little bit. So I'm going to ask these lovely ladies here some questions. Just kind of dig into their Star Wars roots, if you will. I'm going to start with uh, Saf first. We haven't heard from her. Saf, are you there? Hello, yes. Oh, no, there she is. Okay, awesome. This is Saf, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Saf, residing in New Zealand, correct? Yeah, in Auckland, the big city in New Zealand. Did you say Auckland? Auckland. Oh, oh, I thought you were like, you know, like Oakland, like you're you're living hard or something like that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Auckland's not (laughs) Oakland. Gotcha. Okay, so tell me. You love Star Wars. That's never going to be, you know, people who you know need to know or don't know you that well, just we'll take your word for it. But tell us, what is your favorite thing about Star Wars? That's really hard. Um, my favorite thing about Star Wars is probably the ladies of Star Wars because I like ladies in my science fiction. I also really like the stories it tells kind of not just the main story of the movies but like the random little stories in the expanded universe like the ones that aren't linked to the main characters just the what the originality of those stories and the new characters that come out from the authors kind of being given free reign is my favorite thing i just i love that stuff okay okay and so now since we're going to be covering all the ancillary material like video games books and comic books what is your favorite you know extra besides the films thing of star wars like what is your go-to for star wars whether it be books comics video games etc like a particular one or yeah in general? yeah just give me like 
if it's a book or a comic or what's your what's your go to for Star Wars like to get your you know your Star Wars going on? Okay, I have I have two. I have the game Knights of the Republic, the first one, which I love so yes. much. Um, and I also have the young adult novel Lost Stars, which I also love a lot. Lost Stars is very good. I'm sure we will cover Lost Stars in a future episode, <laughs> um, which will probably be a, a special five hour episode because of Saf. Um, all yeah. right. <laughs> Gotta have a couple of those. Yeah, yes. Every podcast has one, right? We have one where it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our, our host, Megan. Megan. Hello. Hello. So tell me and tell the audience, what's your favorite thing about Star Wars? My favorite thing about Star Wars is the hope. It's all a story of this big dysfunctional family, and it says right in the title that Luke is the new hope, and you could discuss whether Anakin is also the new hope, but it's about finding hope and finding positivity and learning about yourself in a war, in a sort of terrible situation. So what I like best about the trilogies, all of them, is that it packages such a great sort of of coming-of-age story and story about being true to yourself and being a good person within this wonderful, vibrant, weird science fiction universe. And on the flip side of that, my other favorite thing about Star Wars (laughs) is the bad guys. Um, Really? (laughs) Just the pure cool factor of walking around with a black cape and a red lightsaber is just so cool. And the purely visual looks of and how Star Wars uses color of, you know, Luke um, with the the green lightsaber and Vader with the red lightsaber. It's that primal good versus evil thing, and I love that. Interesting. So tell us, so we know you love bad guys. So my next question was, you know, what's your go-to Star Wars material? I'm imagining it probably has to do with a red lightsaber. Well, actually, um, I'm going to steal this... Um, answer from Saf and say that Knights of the Old Republic is one of my favorite Star Wars stories, which if you know Knights of the Old Republic, it's kind of about a person with a red lightsaber in a roundabout way. No, it is. Um, It is. It is. (laughs) My other favorite Star Wars era is the New Jedi Order, which is, of course, Legends now, partially because of the Yuuzhan Vong, because they were so weird and they uh, had such cool technology. And I know it's it's a little controversial, but I I love the New Jedi Order. You're killing me. What? These on Vong. To be fair, to be the be to be fair, I have never read any of the New Jedi Order, so I really can't I can't give a full opinion of of if I love them or not. But judging a book by its cover of those Jedi uh, New Jedi Order covers, oh boy, oh boy, um, it's it, it rough. Campiness, but everything in Star Wars does. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um. <laughs> talk about that we, we can, we can... Just, just try them just ooh, try them ooh, that's like that's like uh asking me to try spinach or something healthy it's not all of what's gonna happen um 19 books of spinach <laughs> wait 19 <laughs> there's not 19 books there's so many books i have a lot of them i mean i collect i collect star wars books because i love star wars but lord if i ever started reading all of them i'd probably just blow up um what's your favorite thing about star wars my favorite thing oh, God, so so glad you asked um you know, my my favorite thing of Star Wars, um, besides the films, would have to be probably um, one one of them. The first thing that comes to my mind is honestly Tales of the Jedi, the original six issue miniseries. 
is um, from the mid '90s is just a just a beautiful piece of comic just work in my opinion. I think that it's got the heart of Star Wars, but it also has like a you know because it's so much farther before um, the prequels and the and obviously the the original trilogy that it has its own flavor to it, but it's also just so different and but so Star Wars. Um, I grew up. I love that. I didn't have all the issues growing up. I was in middle school. Couldn't always get to a comic store um, and pick them all up. But and my and obviously I was my mind was you know all over the place of what I need to buy for comic book wise, whether it be Image, Marvel, or whatever. But I remember reading those as a kid. I had a couple of them and I loved them. Uh, Nomi Sunrider. I think she's fantastic, fantastic character. Ulick, uh, was it Queldorma? I think um, he's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just I love Tales of the Jedi, and um, I, I, that's one of my favorite things. You know, with just anything comic books, I love comic books. So that's kind of my go-to. But um, but like, like, and also kind of the, you too. What you, you said, Megan, that. Um, I, I just love Star Wars because it is about hope. It's about good versus evil and that, you know, that hope will find a way. Redemption is, is real. And these are all very deep, you know, spiritual things that we could get into and spend hours of, you know, you know, talking about. But in, in essence, in its simplicity, that's what Star Wars is. And I do, I think those, if I had to go like in a, in a, an additional material, it'd be that. But if I had to go with what I love about Star Wars in general, It'd have to be like what you said—the hope and the just the the simpleness of of, of reality of, of salvation and things like that. Cool, cool, excellent. All right, so we're ready to move on to some of our more newsy things. I think we are. So in this segment, in our EU news, we're going to be talking about things that are coming out in the future, things that are. Rumored, maybe, sometimes. I think most of it's official official news this week. And things we're excited about. Um, Delray Star Wars has been talking a lot about Bloodline, formerly known as New Republic Bloodline, and now with no... With no... Uh, uh, what the heck is the word? It doesn't have a, a prefix anymore. It's just Bloodline now. What was um, the prefix? Oh, New I Republic. That's not the right word. Well, no, no, but it was it was it was Star Wars Bloodline New Republic, right? It was New Republic Bloodline, and they have dropped the New Republic part. So now it's even easier to confuse with Bloodlines. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> and I'm I'm not sure why. I'm I'm not sure. Wait, is that a Star Wars book too? Isn't Bloodlines a was a comic about Boba Fett. I oops! Believe? Yeah. Oops! <laughs> the comic yeah. guy. Oops! Dropped the ball. Where's my Marvel Limited app? Oh God. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they're and they're you know they're. It's okay that they're reusing a name. I guess I've I've basically forgotten about it already. At first I was like, eh, why do you need to renew a name? But now I just. Bloodlines of the Leia novel. That's what I think of first. Well, they also did Empire's End. That's the re- that's another comic that's that was a well, that's what it was called, and they're using that for an aftermath book, right? Oh isn't yeah, that, isn't that right? yeah. <laughs> How dare you reuse names? <laughs> How dare it be an aftermath book that uses it? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so so go ahead, we Megan. now know that Bloodline is going to follow Leia as she. Um, 
vies for the position of first senator, which is something important in the New Republic. I'm not sure what exactly she's the first senator of, but she has gotten in some trouble with unhappy citizens, with imperial uh, sympathizers, and with a, quote, mysterious threat. So this one is going to be coming out in May. Um, Everybody seems excited for it. My Twitter feed is very excited for it. (laughs) I'm very excited for it. I'm excited for it, but I'm also like a little hesitant about it. I, I'm I'm worried that it's just going to be a fluff piece. If that makes any sense, like, I mean, it seems like it's it could potentially be about the formation of the resistance. There's a there's a tagline in one of the recent synopses that were um, that were released that says like the this is where the resistance begins or something. That sounds pretty important. Well, yeah, I, I get that. I just I guess for me is. Obviously, with you know, people who've seen The Force Awakens, I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you've seen The Force Awakens. I think most of us would rather you know want to hear what how you know at that time. And this is like what six years before is this? Has it been confirmed? We have a time date on this. Like when how, when this relates to The Force Awakens? I believe the new time is six years. For a while, they were they uh, were vague about it, but uh, I'm gonna say I'm mostly certain that it's confirmed to be six years okay sounds right exactly okay so so six years you're telling me it's like i want to know formation of the the resistance is cool that's awesome but i want to know like ben where's ben Mm -hmm. you know i mean saf you 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 were we were talking about this a a while ago what you we're with me right you want to hear about ben I mean, I do, but also I am really into the politics of Star Wars and I've been wanting to know about the politics of the New Republic. And so this looks like a novel that will give us a good look into the politics of the New Republic before it got destroyed in The Force Awakens. And will also give us a lot of Leia and her confronting her past with Vader, which is something else I've also wanted for a long time. That's true. So even if there's not a whole lot of Ben, this book will still be really good for what I want. But I do definitely want some stuff about Ben. I see where you're coming from too because that was my first thought when I heard this was announced. I was like, oh, it's going to be a Ben book and I'm definitely going to be going through it going like, where's the tiniest mention of Ben because I liked him in The Force Awakens. But I believe Claudia Gray said on Twitter and she's she's the author, she said that this will not be the book of Ben's story because they want to save some things for the movie. So I don't know that that makes me feel any better about not necessarily getting the, the first the story that would have been first on my my dream story list but it does make me wonder what's going on in the next movie and realize that they're doing this very carefully balanced sort of slow drip of information yeah the the slow burn is hard but i understand it i just i just hope it's the, i just hope it's not like just one brief mention you know i hope there's not a lot of focus on him come 100 percent i'm not saying you have to have that because they definitely have to explain the politics, kind of what Saf was saying, because they didn't really do that in the movie. They did it in all the ancillary material, like you know the visual guide, which obviously everyone reads. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, you, it'll be interesting to get that aspect of it. But I hope that it's not just ignored, especially with that. I believe it's a promo piece where it has um, Vader's uh, face. Uh, like drawn over Leia's like, like yeah, like poster. graffiti art over the propaganda. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if if I'm assuming if if Darth Vader is gonna have his shadow, which obviously is also in the book cover, correct? The, the silhouette of Vader's yeah. mask. 
if he's going to be a prominent shadowy figure of just his presence and, and his past or her past with him, you would assume Ben would tie into that because of his own obsession with Darth Vader. But we'll see. Well, I feel like Ben would also kind of contribute to that in the way that he's the future of Vader's influence, whereas Vader is kind of the past. So she's looking towards what Vader has done in her past and how it's affecting her now and her being Vader's daughter. But she's also got the issues of Ben, who has presumably turned by this point and that's because of vader's influence and so that's still going on to, into the future and she has to deal with that as well that's a great point i imagine it'll be very difficult to tell a leia novel without at least mentioning at some point that she has a son who she has very strong feelings for that's one thing i'm almost a little worried about is if um ben is sort of if his story is sort of obscured too much in order to leave things for the movie to a degree that seems unrealistic but on the other hand i don't want the whole thing to be leia moping about her son either so i'm, I'm well, sure we, we saw in a new hope and the rest of the trilogy that like leia sees her entire planet destroyed and then she kind of goes straight to business right after that like she kind of cuts it out and just goes back to being the senator she is and i think um she would probably be similar after what happens with Ben and the Jedi's and everything like that. So it's entirely possible she won't talk about Ben that much because she'll just have cut that out. But if it's relevant, then I also want it to be mentioned. That's true. That's a good point that that is sort of how Leia deals with her problems. Yeah. And I mean, I I do the same thing. So I understand that. <laughs> so but I also, um, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I'm really excited about the fact that Claudia Gray is writing it because I loved her writing in Lost Stars. And she's got a real good knack for creating really strong character relationships really well. And I'm excited to see where she goes with that. Yeah, definitely. So the next big news that we wanted to talk about this week is the ending of the Kanan comic series. And I want to talk about this particularly because... Canon number 12 uh, wrapped the series up. It was originally ongoing, and they, they decided to end it at 12. And it had a cameo that was particularly interesting to uh, to people who follow the Expanded Universe. So this is going to be, we're going to have spoilers about Canon number 12 if you want to move ahead and, 15 minutes or so. And, and the ironic can. thing, the iron, ironic thing is I actually haven't read this comic. No, no, you're fine. You can spoil me. It's my own. It's my own fault because, just a side note, I I would get I get my comics every week. Usually, very, very, almost ninety percent of the time, I'm going to do that. But when I only get like two issues at a time or during the week, then I'm not going to do that. So I'm like, because I don't want to go all the way down and and just pick up only two issues. I wait till I have a bunch to pick up, and usually I have like four or five. So I only had two and. This last week, I only had like one or something like that. So I'm like, I'll pick it up next week. Totally forgetting I needed to read this. So, so do you not know? Like, I, do you I don't. No, no, no. Please. It's my own fault. I should I should have known this. I need. I just need to hold. You know what? You're holding me accountable. So I'm it's my, so sorry. No, no, no. Okay. Spoil away. Spoil me rotten right now. Just tell All me. All right. So this is your spoiler warning. Ray Sloan is in canon number two. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. That's a spoiler, man. That's a spoiler. Woo! Yes, it is. Ray Sloan. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It's, just, it's brief. Basically, she appears. She is there in all her glory, dual-wielding blasters, because of course she is. And she calls Kanan her hobby. She says, tracking him down has been 
her hobby since uh, the events of a new dawn. And they fight briefly, and he like force pushes her, and they and he escapes, and that's it. But Ray Sloan, wow, I love seeing her. Like, because we always get her in the book, so she's never seen. She's only like words on a page. But this time, she actually is art of herself, being her awesome self, and it's so exciting finally seeing her face. Yeah, and we have her in two different art styles now because there's an image of her with uh, orientation as well, I believe, and she looks oh, you know, yeah. she looks the oh, same. Yeah. Okay, so and for people who don't know who Ray Sloan is, perhaps maybe they're like, oh, you know, they listen to it, they don't care about spoilers. Ray Sloan was in A New Dawn and also in the book Aftermath, both were books. Um, and she's she became kind of, she's become kind of a fan favorite. Would you guys say that? Yeah, I would. She's um, one of the more sympathetic Imperial characters. Absolutely. So, well, I have to say this. That it's interesting there. It seems like they're really get they're they're kind of drilling in our heads this Ray Sloan character, which I'm not. I I like the character a lot. So usually when we're we're kind of you know you feel like the company's pushing a character on us because Marvel used to do this stuff all the time with certain characters and they're still do they're still, excuse me they're still doing it to an extent. But um, what's interesting is with Ray Sloan. You kind of you gotta wonder: Are, are we getting the setup for her to be a bigger role in something, perhaps a film that's coming out in perhaps December? Thoughts on uh, this? I hope so. I I do think that this um this focus on her might be less really of a focus on her, and more simply that the new expanded universe is not very big yet. The reboot was in twenty fourteen. There aren't. There aren't a ton of recurring characters, period. And she just happens to be the one who appears in so many eras because her career basically spans the original trilogy. I don't. I think it's very important that she's in so many things because she ties the, the universe together really nicely right now. But I also think that in the future, as the expanded universe grows, we're likely to see more characters who do the same thing. Yeah, I think you're right. It would be really cool if they were leading her up to being in Rogue One or in, you know, another future film. Um, she's probably going to be a lot bigger in the other two Aftermath books since she's kind of been led up for that as well, um, which is what I'm looking forward to, seeing more of her in those. It would be really cool to see her in a movie, but I think Megan's also right that she's an easy character to bring back because she's she's now quite big within the Empire or the True. fragments of the Empire. And before that, she's such a hard-working character that it's quite easy to push her around to different areas within the universe so I, and, I, and when i say i think she might show show up in a movie in this december which obviously is rogue one i don't think she's going to be a major a major character but i think we're going to see a cameo by her by some unknown person i'm just going to throw it out there i'm, I'm going to put money on it you guys can hold me to it make or saf we can have one of our famous uh who was right but Dang. I want I want to agree with you. <laughs> Dang it! No, oh, no. You're, supposed to, you're supposed to disagree with me. This is this is too weird. <laughs> Y'all are too friendly. Stop. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, in in this canon comic, um, the get away from race Sloan, That's my fault. Um, so what I imagine for the cover is a play off the original cover of Canon One where it was the old Kanan kind of overlooking the young Kanan and Depa Balaba, his master, being attacked by clone troopers. And in this cover, 
is the exact opposite. It's young Kane looking down on the on the current Kanan, looking at the all the current um, or with the current rebels, their comrades from the TV show. And they're being surrounded by, I think, stormtroopers. I believe still the regular stormtroopers. Is that accurate to the comic? Is it a? Is it a? Is the whole thing a, a current like time frame? Like it, it doesn't go backwards in time. It's yeah, it's current. yeah. Issue twelve is all current. Yes, I would say that the the cover isn't exactly a literal representation of what happens, but it is entirely a current story. Okay, okay, okay. So, do you guys like it? I did. I admit that I was totally biased because I will like anything that Ray Sloan is in now. I've just gotten super attached to her. Um, But I enjoyed it. I thought the series as a whole had its ups and downs, but it wrapped up in a really interesting way. And, like, Ray Sloan is not – she's not the only twist in that that issue. Yeah. I'm similar to Megan that I will be biased towards anything Ray Sloan is in as well. Um, I liked the first six issues of Kanan a lot more than the second, like, arc, whatever it is. But I, I admit, like, the second arc also has, like, little references to, like, things similar to the novel Shatterpoint, which whenever that happened, oh, I just got yeah. really excited. Like, I know the events of Shatterpoint didn't happen, but the fact that they use the same planet and Depa still, like, fails and all of that is just really exciting to me. Yeah, um, that was interesting. How Like, something happened to Depa, but it wasn't necessarily the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and I really liked that they're kind of taking things from the old EU, but not really using it. They're just hinting at it, and I like that. And the last issue was kind of rushed, but I feel that they didn't really have too much of a choice there. And it's still a good Mm -hmm. issue. If you read them all, because I kind of binged like four issues in a row, I think, to get up to that point, and it was all good, like if you do it like that. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I read them every week, but I usually go back when, like, at some point and read, like, six issues in a row or whatever. So, yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you on that one. Megan, uh, are we are we done with this? Are we done with Kanan? Because I haven't read it, so I have nothing to add. Yes, I think we can be done with Kanan. <laughs> I feel lost because I have nothing to add to this, but that's fine. That's my own fault. So Yeah, no worries. What's our, what's, gonna... Yeah, what are we moving on to next? We're going to move on to a whole bunch of Rogue One stuff. So... Ooh. Recently, um, as of the last week of March, um, there were several Rogue One tie-ins announced, including a comic from Marvel comprising three a three-issue series and a one-shot, as well as a novel from Del Rey called Rogue One Catalyst, which is all of them are coming in October. We don't know much more about them right now. Um, we don't know who the author of Catalyst is. We don't know what it's about. We, I personally do not know whether the three-issue comic and the one-issue comic are connected or not. I was a little <laughs> not sure about that. But there are things happening with Rogue One. People are calling it Rogue-tober. <laughs> are they? <laughs> who said, yeah, was, it Florian, it. was it Florian who came up with that? I from don't Twitter? know, but I've seen, I've, I think I've seen him use it. And I've, I think it might have been Florian, actually, yeah. Um, Florian, if it just... was you, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm kind of liking that name because it's kind of like Force Friday, but yeah, a whole month. A it's it's kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious what the comics are going to be doing. The fact that there's like three and then one. Like, are they going to follow different characters as they meet up beforehand or something? I, I don't know. I have no clue what to expect from these. And I, I just want to know who the author of the book is going to be already. Oh, that's true. Why? See, that's my next, next question. Why don't they just tell us, if they announce the book, why don't they just tell us who the writer is? 
Yeah, and I, I feel like it's because it's either a big name Star Wars writer like yeah. John Jackson Miller was at the panel where they discussed this book at uh, C2E2 or it's some big name author who hasn't done Star Wars books before. Ooh. Or it's possible it's still in like pre-planning and they haven't decided on an author yet. That's Wait, possible. Although it's like yeah, Lance Lieber is, yeah. is a very short now until yeah. October is a very short amount of time to write a novel. Yeah, that would not be enough time for that. But it is slightly possible that there's something weird going on. They're That's not entirely true. sure who's going to be finishing it or something. I don't know. Finishing it? Oh, no. Finishing <laughs> the last chapter written by someone else. They're like, I'm done with this book. I hate the story idea. We need a new writer. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Our writer rage quit this. Rage oh, no. quit this. It's this, book, this book is doomed. Just someone yeah. get in and finish it. Who would you guys like to see writing it? Oh, Lord. Megan, you I go want first. to see Matthew Stover doing everything, but that seems <laughs> unlikely because he hasn't done a Star Wars story in a couple of years. But that's my like dream, dream <laughs> casting. That's not the right phrase. Whatever. Uh, okay, yeah, I, that's my choice. <laughs> I had a joke that I wrote on Twitter. I said Kevin J. Anderson. <laughs> see, I was joking. <laughs> I'm like the one person that has fond memories of the Kevin J. Anderson books. I still don't want to go back to them. But oh, okay. if you told me that somebody was writing a modern novel in the spirit of Kevin J. Anderson, I would be okay with that. No, hold on. So what is Kevin like J. Anderson opinion. written? A Darksaber, the Jedi Academy trilogy. Uh, oh, yeah. hold oh, I on. I love Jedi Academy. You see, I, yeah, see, see, now hold on. <laughs> A little side tangent. I actually grew up. Those were the only books that I read when I was in when I was in middle school for Star Wars because I couldn't finish the Thrawn trilogy because it was too like big and it was very just a lot more in depth for my small puny fifth grade mind. But when I got older and and my reading level advanced at least at least one level in two three years or whatever it was um, between when they re- when Jedi Academy and, and Heir to the Empire w- were released whatever. But um. I actually enjoyed those books. I, and I, I tried to, re, to reread them recently, and I wasn't a gigantic fan. I couldn't finish it. Um, but I also liked his work with uh, Tales of the Jedi. Um, I, I don't love everything he did for Tales of the Jedi, but he did some cool stuff in there too with the, the, the Sith War and things like that. So I, don't, I, I say that as a joke because Kevin J. Anderson's kind of a hot-button author when it comes to Star Wars fans. Usually he's kind of looked down upon as like because Dark Saber was really bad. It was really bad. <laughs> so and and a lot of people don't like Jedi Academy trilogy for whatever reason. They just it just seems like the people don't don't like those books as much as like the Timothy Zahn books or whatever. So you know I, I say that as a joke, just kind of like get a rise out of people, which no one really cared about. So shows you how how funny <laughs> I am. But if the, well, to take to take it seriously, one thing those books were not was they were not dry. I think my experience is the same as yours that I read them when I was young. I liked them better than the Timothy Zahn books, but I don't really think they hold up now. No, you're you're absolutely right. But if I were to take this seriously, like a good Star Wars fan would be. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, not me. Serious? Yeah, me? Whatever. Um, if I, I mean, and I'm not like a super big novel reader, but if I had to pick a Star Wars writer that I, I, I trust, always go with James Lucino. Always mm-hmm. go with James. James mm-hmm. is my man. Because I love like, Tarkin. I would, I would pick Alexander Freed just because I like Twilight Company and I feel like if they're doing another something war novel based, he could do well for it. But I am a big fan of James Luceno, so I agree there. 
I love Tarkin. I love Tarkin, and I also, obviously I love Plagueis. So those two books, I'm like, if, if you ask me, you know, it doesn't matter that the source material for Star Wars, whether it be like an Imperial based or a Rebel based or Jedi, whatever. Someone asked me, I'd say James Lucino. But another writer, Greg Rucka. I love Greg Rucka, but oh I, yes. But at the same time, I'm cheating. So I'm saying two people. So I'm, you know, I'd say Rucka would be fine because Rucka's a man. So. That, that works too. I uh, I think Lucino is definitely uniquely suited to this kind of story that's placed in the middle of canon because he's so good at aligning things and making things that might not quite match up in canon match up. Um, I also, the more I think about this, I'm just like, let's have Claudia Gray write all the things. I don't know if this is quite in her <laughs> oh, wheelhouse true. depending on what it's about or like, you know, whether she wants to, but... Um, she seems to be a popular one now as well. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I have no complaints here. All right. Anything else about Rogue One? The comics, too. Like, you don't know who's writing them. Don't know who's... Well, I have, I have a couple things. I mean, do you guys think it's interesting that there, these books are and everything are coming out in October when we have Force Friday still... And no, is that September? Is that the rumor still? Like, yeah, I think it's September. Yeah, so it's weird they're gonna have force unless they move unless they are gonna move it to October, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Because I, I, I kinda the one thing I did like about Force Friday, even though like it created lots of like bitterness of people collecting action figures and you know, there wasn't enough in stock for everyone to go around, et cetera, et cetera. Um I did like the idea of having the books out all, all out in one day. That was a lot of fun. I actually love that. So, do you guys? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that all they might move Force Friday to October and we get them like the comics and and all that stuff in in one day like that. Is that? I hope for that anyway. That's my hope. It is. It is very exciting. Like Force Friday last year was really fun, and I liked it. I just hope that if they do have like a bunch of books, like have young reader novels as well or something, and they release them all, I hope they all get released on the same date in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. And, and also to add to the comic books. You talked about what to expect from a three-issue miniseries to the the one-shot. I imagine the three-issue miniseries probably deals with, you know, a prequel. to, And they're both prequels, but literally a prequel of some sort of, like, developing, like, kind of the filling in the gaps for between episode three and episode four and where Rogue One takes place. Kind of filling you in the idea of what's kind of going on. Where I think, where I think the one-shot will probably deal with one character in particular – that they that really needs to have focus, whether it be a bad guy or a good guy, it's going to be one major focus, and that'll be kind of like give us a kind of a glimpse into those characters. Because you got to remember, these are brand new characters that you're, we're going to have to get invested in, not just with a general audience. The general audience and all of us had to get in. You know, we already knew we we're we we're getting Han Solo back and Chewbacca back and um, the Force Awakens. We get Le- we had Leia. Etc. We had new characters, but we had familiar faces too. Well, Rogue One doesn't have that luxury, so you, you figure you have to. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is the, the, you know, the ancillary material to really enhance and get not only the general audience ready, but Star Wars fans like us and people who are listening ready because you want to start selling them you know, to, to us. Like, why should I care about Felicity Jones' character? You know, why should I care about uh, Forrest Whitaker's character if he's a bad guy or not? Or, you know, or insert whatever actor you want, you know, Mads Mikkelsen, whatever. So it's I think that's what these comics are. You know, they're, they're going to try to prepare us a little better, you know, mentally and, you know, and freshness wise more than more so than The Force Awakens did. Yeah. And I wonder whether these are going to be I mean, like you said, are they going to be three things that come together into one thing that would be kind of interesting no yeah i i I don't think so i think i think the three issues in the one shot i think the three issues will be one little story that will will take place and fill in the gaps whereas i think the one shot will be a very particular just one one note story where it's about one person and one individual whether it be the antagonist or main antagonist or protagonist where you have, it really kind of drives the, the feel of what to expect from the film. That's my prediction and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) That's a good prediction. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Speaking of comics, there's also a Han Solo comic um, that was announced, which I believe will be the next Marvel miniseries. Saf, you have the, um, you have the lowdown on that. I do somewhat. Um, it's going to be coming out in June at some point, and it's set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Um, it's five issues long. It's written by Marjorie Liu, and Mark Brooks is doing the illustration. And I've lost the rest of the information. But basically, I think it's going to be set kind of in a more 80s style, and it's about Han participating in a race, I think, of some kind. He's been sent to do a race by the rebels or something i'm not entirely sure what it is but it sounds interesting it's a race that's all that matters yeah. it's a it's race a it's, it's race. like heavily inspired by cannonball run which i've never watched it's it's like an american film some kind of racing thing i've heard i've heard the name cannonball run a ton even though i'm the oldest one on the panel here i've never seen the movie so i can't really comment on it but but you know, I mean, we all know that Han loves to show off and, and use the the Falcon in any way possible, where he shows off at speed. And I think it to me, I think this fits the character perfectly. It can, I can totally see him entering a race for himself or for the rebellion or whatever. To me, it lines up perfectly. So I'm I'm I love Han Solo, and he's part of the big three. So I can't help but love him. I'm glad we're finally getting a miniseries, you know, in it. I just wish it was not in between A New Hope and, uh, you know, and an Empire. I kind of wish it was before he met the Rebels, you know. It was kind of a side story. But, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take what I can get, too. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, apparently there's a, a new alien character who's a lady called Lou Reanno, 
who's like the last of her kind and she's the best racer. And I'm really excited to see her because I always like the new female characters in these comics. They're kind of my favorite thing about it. Um, and so that's cool to see. I do agree. I think that I would prefer if this was before A New Hope because Han during the original trilogy just doesn't interest me a lot. But I'll take a look at it. I'll curious about how they interweave the story of the race with the story of Han kind of being a spy for the rebellion. Yeah, I'm not really much of a Han person myself, but I will read it. And yeah. maybe because like Lando, Lando got me really into Lando as a character, the Lando series. I love it so Ooh, much. So Lando. I'm kind of hoping that this one is like as well written that I'll fall in love with Han Solo in a new way. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm with you, Saf. I hope. I hope it does too. Because how can you call yourself a Star Wars fan not being a Han Solo? Come on. I know. How I'm dare you? I know. I'm not on the list of like my top list either. What? I don't know. Where I am I? Because I tend to like force what users to. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Where am I? I'm, in the, I'm, in I'm sorry. Paul's gonna quit. <laughs> I quit first episode. Click beep 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 beep. No, um, you guys don't like Han Solo. I'm sorry. I still think he's the most interesting because, and these are my extremely shallow analyses. He's not a force user, and I just tend to go after force users. And he's sort of amoral sometimes, and the 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 scoundrel thing never really, never really grabbed me. Yeah, like, the cocky dude character has never really been my jam, and that's basically what Han is. Like, he's got a lot of heart as well, and I appreciate him for his character. He's just not high up on the list of people I care about. (laughs) How could you not care about Han Solo? I care about Han Solo. I just don't love Han Solo. (sighs) Maybe I'm just, I just, you know what it is? Maybe it's just my, I grew up. You know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo were people I both wanted to be. You wanted to be the hero that Luke was, the good-natured soul that Luke was, but you also wanted to be the badass like Han Solo was, because Han was badass. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, he went and killed Chuck Greedo first in the, before the special editions, and he went out and, you know, he went out and saved his friends and, and risked it all for his friends. I mean, I just, I don't know. I guess I grew up just kind of always idolizing those two characters. All three, even Leia. I I idolize all three of those characters. So it's just hard for me to be like, here, say, I'm not much of a Han person. It's hard. It's hard on my soul. So, but I'll get over it. Just for you two. Because I I care about you guys so much, I'll carry on. We care about your soul, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) The the race thing, the, the space race does sound cool. I'm always here for space races. <laughs> and you don't like Han Solo? Spe- <sighs> I, 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 got, I got nothing. I got nothing. I think we need to move on for the sake of Paul's soul. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Like, we'll, we'll get our opinions about Han Solo out of here. <laughs> we'll just shuffle them away. So um, anything else you guys want to add about the news before we move to our discussion? Let's do it. All right. Go. So this week... Um, this is going to be a little odd episode because we are going to be doing monthly episodes and choosing something that came out around the time we're recording. So whether it might be sometimes several months ago, um, it might be more or less timely. But anyway, today we realized we did not talk much about Before the Awakening by Greg Rucka, which tied into The Force Awakens. And I think we would all agree that we liked The Force Awakens generally. Is that uh, correct? No, I, I thought it sucked. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Okay, well, except you, Paul. <laughs> I don't care. No, for the record, I love The Force Awakens. I'm just yeah. I'm being difficult. Sorry. No, no I, I, I keep saying I'll give it a 7 or 8 out of 10. I didn't adore it, but I liked it a lot. Yes, yes. I adore it. I've seen it too many times in cinemas already. I've seen it seven times. I, 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 I do like it and love it, yes. I've seen it too many times. But luckily, most of those I didn't have to pay for, so it's okay. I'm at seven times, too, I think. That's the golden number. I guess so. It, no, it is, because episode seven. Seven. Seven oh, times. Oh, man. See? So, we wanted to talk about Before the Awakening, which has three separate stories. It's a um, sort of young reader book published by the uh, published by Disney Publishing. And it follows Finn, Ray, and Poe in their separate stories shortly before the movie begins. So, first of all... When did you guys read this, and did you like it? Did you pick it up immediately after it came out, or did you wait a little bit? Or Yeah, I think I got it right when it came out. Um, I don't remember if I read it straight away, but I feel like I did. And yeah, I, I liked it right off the bat. <sighs> okay, so I bought the book because I collect all the canon. I'm, I have it all set up nice and organized chronologically, et cetera, et cetera, and I was and obviously obviously when they they announced the book, I was really excited to read it because I love Greg Rucka, I love you know I just I couldn't wait for the book right when I saw The Force Awakens like three four times the first weekend, I didn't really have a desire to read the book because my desire was initially just to read it just to learn more about the three characters and then after watching The Force Awakens, I didn't really have to have to sit down and read it because. I knew they weren't going to reveal because it all leads up to the Force Awakens. That's what I, I heard, and maybe I, I did myself a disservice by doing that. But I just didn't really feel the need to go read it. And so when we talked about doing this brand new show, I was like, "We should read the Before the Awakening because I need to read this book, and I need it because I wanted to read it because I like Greg Rucka. I've tried a couple times before to, to start reading it a little bit. I just couldn't couldn't find the groove. So I, you know, I. Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that before we go further. But I, I, it took me a while to get into the book. Megan, what, what do you think? I enjoyed it. I think that it actually brought up some, not necessarily, well, yeah, it brought up some contradictions <laughs> with the movie. Um, really? It answered some questions. I really liked Ray's section and how she learned to fly. And I really liked Poe's section on how he was sort of too rebellious for the Republic and got kicked into the resistance and um, promptly was so happy that Leia was his commander now. And But Finn's section, which was the one I was sort of most interested in because I wanted to see how the First Order worked, gave us some cool stuff about Phasma, which I love Phasma, even though she has barely any characterization at all. Um there were moments where Finn disobeyed or did sort of an unusual thing in uh, in training, and Phasma kept kind of like giving him uh, giving him second chances. And then in the movie, she says this is his first offense. When in the book, there were a couple things that he did that I, I don't know if they count as offenses, but they I kind of took it as like. It wasn't really, like, those weren't really offenses. They were just him still learning. Mm. Like, because she would give him, like, after he did those things, she would give him, like, a lesson and be like, this is why we don't do that. Whereas him actively choosing to not shoot was a kind of a different thing. Like, that was him making an active rebellion in his own way. Yeah, but didn't didn't he choose not to shoot in one of the simulations as well? 
It was I, basically the same behavior, I think. I don't no, I don't think so cuz he in the simulations I think he showed the promise cuz didn't they bring Hux down? He did. And, yeah, he yeah. was like the the top of his class. Yeah, and it was only when they at the very end when they are at that mining place when Phasma tells him to shoot, he's like uh, he yeah. wusses out. Which for good reason. Thank you for wussing out, Finn, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I was, I guess I was interested in, it almost now when I watch the movie, it almost feels like Phasma's lying for Finn, and that is really interesting to me, but I might have entirely made that up. Like, you're right. It's possible. It be, this is his first offense where he got sent to reconditioning, for example. Like, I don't know. I, I like that idea, actually, because it seems like he was one of her prize students. Yeah. Like, she kind of paid attention to him, so it's possible that she didn't want to have Hux know that she was, you know, like, prizing the student that was actually showing signs of rebellion. Oh, that's a good point. I was thinking Phasma is, she might not be particularly fond of morals, but she might be fond of (laughs) nepotism. But you're kind of taking it one step further and saying she's trying to save her own skin by proving that this person that she's talked up probably to the others is as good as she thinks he is. No, that's a good point because... That's my main problem with the Finn story, which was probably my least favorite story of the three. Um, just because I just kind of felt it was kind of repetitive, you know? It really, it just kind of, it, 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 you got to see Finn for who he was, but it just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't really care that much about it. I, I don't know if I, I love Finn. And that's the thing, I love Finn a lot. So actually, like, I, fit, I like Finn more than Poe Dameron, but I end up liking Poe Dameron's story more than Finn's. But with Finn's story, I kind of got sick of like, of Phasma favoring Finn a little bit. It almost was weird. It was like, why is she so obsessed with this guy? You know, I mean, he's great, I guess, but I mean, he also failed. And like, you brought up a great point too, Megan, that she kind of covers for him in the movie, essentially, which that's kind of the way you could take it. Um, so I don't know, like just, just how Finn, it's, 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 it's interesting that Finn has like the start of the, of the good natured person, already in him which is understandable i think that's you have to have that consistency there and that you know deconditioning or whatever they they do you know makes them you know lesser and lesser of of a person or for whatever that that means i'm not sure what deconditioning is but um but yeah i'm i'm I'm, i just don't know this the simulations i just it just it just felt weird i guess my main here's my main problem my main problem is the fact that he had one mission before he went to jakku and then if you watch The Force Awakens as a whole, like in one of the major contradictions that I think you were kind of alluding to, when Finn tells Maz at uh, Maz Kanata's castle, he says, you have no idea what I've seen. Like he saw one person die and that's traumatizing. Don't get me wrong. Well, but... He definitely saw more than one person die because he saw the stormtroopers shoot down the entire village. Well, no, he did. But like besides that, I guess I always thought there was more because I kind of I always took it in the film as that was the icing on the cake. I know it's a bad analogy, but bear with me. <laughs> icing on the death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, icing on the death cake. Um, no, but like, you, you see what I'm saying? It's I felt there was more that he saw than just Jakku and then the mining thing, which both those are traumatizing. Don't get me wrong, but I just felt he was he had been in the in the, in the line of work a little bit more, even though he was in sanitation for a number of years, obviously, as they set up that joke. But in The Force Awakens, but I just thought he'd see a little bit more. I was a little disappointed that he only had been in like two missions and that was it. I think part of that also for him, because he obviously kind of had a camaraderie thing with his teammates, or at least with them, Slip. 
the one kind of useless stormtrooper in his group, which is the stormtrooper I would be, probably. Um, <laughs> but he kind of saw the way that the First Order treated Slip for being so useless as well. Like, Slip tried real hard to be a good stormtrooper, but, like, he was still useless at being a stormtrooper. And I think Finn saw the way that he got treated, like, how he got beaten up when they were doing the um, me- melee training and that kind of stuff. And so I think that probably didn't help, like, seeing Slip, because it was Slip, it was the stormtrooper that died and put his... Um, handprint on Finn's helmet so he saw like one of his friends essentially die in front of him who was already being treated awfully by the people who were supposed to be raising them pretty much and then he saw the rest of what they did like Kylo Ren slaughtering that dude um, Law Santeca and then the rest of the stormtroopers shooting down that entire village and being expected to be one of those people right after that like he did see a lot for quite a young kid you know you, you talked me off the ledge I think, Seth. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, you, you know, you brought up a good point. That's a, that's a good point because I'm forgetting that Kylo Ren did kill Lord Santeca right there in front of him, and a pile of people, like Megan said earlier, and that, and obviously in the book there was traumatizing that she, you know, Phasma, who he probably looks up to at that point as like his superior slash, you know, whatever parental figure, if you will. Um, in some weird aspects, but, um, but yeah, like obviously that would make you traumatized as well. So you're, you're right. I, I, you know, he had seen a lot for the short amount of time, like quite a bit. You're right. You're right. The one that I liked on a sort of narrative level, but couldn't get so much into emotionally was Poe's story. Mm. I liked him, but he was also that kind of like, he's cocky and he's, Fighting for what's right, but in a way that isn't as idealistic as, like, Luke's story is. He's the one that I still feel like I'm not quite as attached to him as a lot of people are. Yeah, Poe... I actually liked Poe's story, but I don't know. And again, maybe it's because I'm not a very good reader and I'm not very smart. I don't know. But I have a hard time reading, like, ships flying in space. Like I oh, can, me too. Okay, not just me. Whew! All right. Now, you don't have no idea how, how much relief <laughs> that is. Because I'm kind of, I kind of feel stupid. I'm like, I don't really get what's going on. Like, I can kind of imagine what things are going on with, like, ground level. And people are like, he punched me in the face. It's like, okay, I can imagine someone punching <laughs> someone. But it's like, person does a 360, 180, horizontal. It's a like, snap turn. Yeah. <laughs> snap turn. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I had that I... issue a little bit with that book. Because I've been reading the X-Wing books as well, um, Rogue Squadron, and there's a lot of that in there. And a lot of people were excited about the Before the Awakening because of Poe's story. And they're like, oh, it'll be like a new X-Wing. And I was like, I don't, I don't, please no. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read these X-Wing fights or anything. Oh, it's just, you have to, you really just have to ignore what they're saying and just imagine a cool dogfight in your head. That's what I do. Like when I see like, you know, Poe in with the Z headhunters go and I'm like, okay, I know what a Z head, Z 95 headhunter is, I th- you know, whatever I think. And imagining the ship that I have, you know, that's the other thing too. Describing ships is so hard for me to see, you know, I'm just, that's why I love visual aids. That's why I love Star Wars. Cause usually in the EU, I could always go on Wikipedia and say, 
Okay, what what are some you know fan interpretations of this ship? Oh, okay, that's what. Okay, cool, that's perfect. But now it's like I, it's since it's all wiped clean, I have to imagine like the same freighter in my head for every book. It seems like because I can't. Ima- I don't have a good imagination. I don't know. It's it's hard for me. I'm a visual person. That's why I love comics. So you know, even though that was difficult, I'm with Megan. I really liked Post Story. It, you got. I have a little bit of issue with it, but for the most part, I I like the characterization of Poe. He seems like a pretty good dude, you know, stand-up guy, which we got in The Force Awakens, but it was, that was consistent, and I like that. The weird thing for me about Poe, and I'm wondering if you, what you guys think, is that, again, it seems like he joins the Resistance pretty close, like a little too close to The Force Awakens. Am I the only one who thinks that? I hadn't thought of that. Um... I guess maybe because he wasn't in a position during The Force Awakens that he had much authority. Like, he was he was a pilot, but he was not... And he was in command of his squad, but it was the same squad he has when he was in the New Republic. Um, I would have been surprised if he was, like, a a, a general or something. But, I, no, I wasn't really surprised by that. Well, and another thing is that in Before the Awakening, like, all the stuff with him training with the resistance and all of that we don't know how long that takes it seems like it's a certain amount of time but it could actually have taken like weeks to months for him to get through all of that well doesn't it say like he was he was yeah he was doing stuff with the resistance for months and then leia calls him in because he goes on the mission for leia to, to to bring that ship in from the first order and then she and then if i again i was i don't know if i read this wrong but i, I understood it as like it months had passed and then she asked him about the lore santeca mission yeah, which means he was with the Resistance for quite a while before that. But it's his months, though. I would. It just that seems so like when I heard like it's several months. I think of like six months. It doesn't. That's not very long, is it? Am I being crazy? I I see what you mean, but I think I don't know. Nothing in the movie indicated to me that Poe felt like he was new to the squad, but nothing indicated that he didn't either. Oh, to you girls, man! I say, I swear, you guys are smart because I—that's a really good point too. <laughs> I never thought about that. Okay, 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 okay. I got you. I got you. No, I, I mean, also before I went into that book, I kind of assumed he'd been with the resistance for like years. Like me Leia too. had brought him in because she knew his mother or something, which was kind of the assumption I think a lot of people were under. So to learn that he didn't really have that link with Leia that a lot of people thought he might have, I think was a little bit jarring. I, I'll be honest, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, because no one else maybe will, but I'm just going to go ahead and just throw it out there. That is a better idea. Yeah, I'm going to agree. <laughs> I'm just going to say, that's a lot better. But anyway, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not involved in story group, but, you know, I'm always open to it. You know, guys, let me know. Um, I'm going to throw my ideas out there for you, story group canon, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, that was kind of a disappointment. I just kind of realized that that's. That is kind of a bummer because they have a connection in the comic book series, Shattered Empire. Yeah, and I thought that they had that connection because it was going to come up at some point, like in Poe's backstory. But all it is is Leia being like, oh, I knew your mother or something like that. Like, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm hoping the force tree that Shara gets given and they they grow at Yavin 5 and Poe grows up with this force tree. Like, I want it to come back in. I want that to be important somehow. Wonder that and the Jedi temples that Luke finds during the um pat the wave. Oh, what the what the heck weapon was the name Jedi? of that? Yeah, weapon of a Jedi. Um, 
those two things, the temples and the forest trees, I feel like they've got to be important somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Poe, I, I, I just think that I, I was expecting Poe to be a little bit more, um, just more tied to the resistance than just like he went on a bad mission, then Leia recruited him, and he was on it for like five months, and that was it. I don't know. That's just... well, several could be anywhere from like three to ten. That, that's really. good. I mean, <laughs> ten months. But here's here's my other main issue with this is that they're creating a comic book series that's before the Force Awakens. That he's obviously. I'm assuming it's in during the Resistance time frame. So that means it's in the, within the next six to ten months time frame. That's going to be when it takes place. So a lot. He's going to have all these adventures. Leading up to the Force Awakens, it's it just it's a little much. I don't know if he's if it's if that's that's the case or not. Maybe he's still in the New Republic at that point. I don't know, but I mean, I, like I said, I like the story though because I I I, I like Poe and I I, I liked Poe okay in the movie, but the book was like okay, I, I this guy's fun. This guy's very honorable and he's a good person. So yeah, I it was it was consistent with the films. So yeah, I just want to know when BB-8 comes in. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. What did you think about Ray's story? I loved it. It was I, like, oh, sorry, Paul. No, no, go ahead, please. Um, I liked it because I love Ray a lot, and it's so heartbreaking. It's such a heartbreaking story because the entire time you know where it's leading, you know how it has to end, but you just don't want to end like that. Mm. Yeah, it's I, that was my favorite. And I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that to be my favorite because of all three characters, you you know what's going to be with Ray's story. It's going to be on Jakku finding junk. That's it. I mean, in theory, that doesn't sound interesting in in and of itself. Of of, of itself, excuse me. Does that make sense? But I actually enjoyed that characterization and and story better than both of them because. You got a glimpse of who Ray is as a person, and you got to understand like why it's hard for her to trust people just in general before and afterwards. Like you know why she has reservations, why it's not you know. And again, the fact is, and I love the idea is that she's just so stuck on Jakku, not because she can't get off at any time. Because that's the other thing. Other thing I really liked about the book was Greg Rucka made it very plain that. She could easily have gotten off, and this probably wasn't the first time she could have gotten off. She probably could have gotten off anytime, but there's one reason why she stays is for her family. And I don't think the book ever states that, but knowing the Force Awakens and knowing that's why she's staying, it's just it, it's it definitely enhances. It honestly enhances the movie a little bit for me even more because it's not like going the the trip she goes on with Han Solo and and Finn. On the Millennium Falcon, like that was very much a by accident kind of a thing. Because by all means, even though she was rebuilding the ship, she wanted to stay, and she was going to stay. She's going to just give it to Un, you know Uncar. So it was that was kind of really fascinating and really cool to read. That even though it was a very simple like kind of you know story that I was was expecting not to really care about, I really dug it. Yeah, the ending, I mean, just like you said, I don't think I have too much to add, except that it was 
really painful in a way. Um, I liked that it explained how Ray was good at flying. It explained that she basically played video games. Like, she had a flight simulator, and she would just, she'd played it so many times that she would just do weird stuff, like, how many G-forces can I pull, or, like, how can I do loops around the atmosphere, or whatever. Like, she would just mess around with it, and that's how she knew how to do those things she did with the Millennium Falcon, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and, and there are references to that in The Force Awakens as well when she's talking to Finn. Like, Finn and her are, like, yelling at each other in excitement after they've escaped Jakku. And, like, she says that she's only flown ships and simulators. Yeah. I and forgot this... about that. She said yeah. that? Yeah, she... yeah. It's hard to hear because they're both talking over each other, but she does say it. And Poe, like, not Poe. Finn's real, real surprised because she's only flown them in sims, and yet she's such a good pilot. She mentions it in a almost disparaging way, like, I've only flown simulators, as opposed to, I've flown simulators, therefore I can do this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Finn's, like, gushing about it, and she's kind of like, I don't know, I, I flew them in a simulator, I guess. Yeah. So, would, it, would it be safe to say that this story is, all, is by far our, our most favorite of all three? Yes, I think Ray's yeah. story might not be the most memorable for me. I still think Finn's was the most memorable for me, but I think Ray's technically was fit together the best and was the most illuminating about the character while still feeling like it really fit well with the movie. Yeah, and I think it was the most emotionally compelling one as well because you wanted to know what would happen with her new friends and with the ship and how she was going to deal with that because you kind of knew that they would steal the ship and leave that was you know where it was leading um the entire time but you still want it to end differently no exactly and i think that's again i go i keep keep going back to the fact that you want it to end differently you want her to get off jakku and start living her life but she feels drawn to stay there and you know you wonder what she knows and I'm kind of going back to this, and I wish they kind of told us a little bit more in the book, but I kind of wish, what is, what does she know about her family that makes her want to stay there so much? Like I know in the novel, somebody says like she has that vision that she has in the movie, but in the novel it's different. The actual novelization by Alan Dean Foster, and she has, someone says to her in the novel, I'll be back, sweetheart, or something like that. Yeah, So yeah. she knows that, the, that someone has said that they will come back for her, but for some reason they just haven't. Interesting. Well, see, I always... I, I knew that was in the, in the in the novel. I took that that part of the Force Vision. Those were, were repressed memories that she kind of shut out. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the way I took it anyway. But I mean, that's a good point. I guess she would remember that. You know, something like that. But it almost seems to me that someone told her that she, they were going to come back, and and there was a good chance they were going to for whatever reason. So I don't know. I I just. I'm with you though, Saf. I, I I kept thinking, why doesn't she just go? But there's just such a pull for her to stay. It just it's more powerful. It just means when she leaves the on the Falcon and she just you know and she decides to go on this adventure with them, it's just a big it's just a big deal. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and honestly, this is kind of my favorite thing with prequels is when they give the characters an out from the story they're headed towards and they don't take it. Like it's a really appealing out, and they want to, but they don't, and so you still have you have the reader wanting them to take that out so that they can be free and be happy, even though you know it's not going to happen. That's interesting. 
That's that's what I like out of my prequel stories. It's kind of like that as well with Anakin and Vader. Like he he has opportunities to step away from that path, but you know he won't because he's going to end up as Vader, basically. Interesting. You made an, an in- interesting parallel with Rey and Anakin. Hmm. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> I have no more there. Okay. Interesting. Megan, do you have anything else to add? No, I think that's all. It was a good book. If you liked Force Awakens, it's a quick read. Um, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's a younger reader novel. So it's not even young at all. It's younger reader. So it is quite simplistic. But it's also, it's relatively mature for that as well. Like, it, it's not basic it's still interesting to read and it's fun and it's a lot more fun to read than the actual the force awakens novelization which is very dry it's very Ooh, very dry ouch. that was a shot shots <laughs> fired Seth. i mean <laughs> i love alan d foster's descriptions he's really good at describing stuff but his dialogue is just not good you know the i never i, I don't read novelizations because it's for me it's always gonna be the movie i just again i'm not the biggest novel reader i'm reading star wars novels and, and whatnot because i love star wars but yeah, novelizations, it's, it's really hard for me to read novelizations. But the only time I'll do it is for this show, just for you all. Because that's the, no, that's the kind of guy, that's, that's right. It's a sacrifice. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I recommend, the, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the book. I, I recommend this book too. I, didn't, I never took it as a young reader novel or whatever, which I love that term you all know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't, I never read it and thought that this was aimed at like, you know, 12 year olds or 13 year olds or whatever the age group that they're aimed at. It just felt like this short stories that you could read and, and that was it. So I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought I, I, I didn't love everything out of it, but for what it was, I thought it did its job decent. And I, I love Greg Rucka and I'm like, Hey, this is good. So I, I enjoyed it. Definitely worth picking up. If you're, if you love the force awakens, you love the characters. I think it's definitely worth picking up. Cool. All right. Well, it sounds like we pretty much wrapped up with that one. I think that's our episode for today. So um, hopefully we will be back in about a month. And where can we find you guys online, uh, Paul? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. And also on the Marvel newscast, um, talking about Marvel movies coming out. Big Marvel fan, always have been. So, yeah, check me out on there. Cool. And Seth? Um, you can find me on Twitter as well at Wanda Lustin, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. I also have my own personal blog, which is notsethwork.com. And I also podcast with Making Star Wars is Now. This is podcasting Firefly Radio's Rogue Squadron, Podron, and also Toshi Station's Western Reaches, which I do with Megan. Whew! So many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> Busiest. I'm... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I can be found at, at Blog Full of Words on Twitter. I write for Den of Geek, for Star Wars Insider, for uh, various outlets here and there, for DelrayStarWars.tumblr.com, and I can also be found at Western Reaches. So thank you again to Den of Geek for hosting us. Yes, and thank you. Th- thank you. Yeah, and thank you to the listeners. Goodbye. We'll be back. We'll be back for you. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.